From the boardroom to the shop floor, good business runs on governance. Join esteemed expert on corporate governance, Dr. Nimrod Mbele, Tuesday evenings at 6 p.m. for Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa. A very good evening to all and welcome to tonight's edition of Beyond Governance. Uh, my name is Nimrod Mbele. Uh, once again, happy Women's Month. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that every single woman uh, who have shattered the glass ceiling is getting the recognition which they truly believe. Uh, we should never underestimate the, the challenges which women are experiencing, particularly in the corporate space, because they are minority, truth be told. Uh, in the same vein, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that every single woman who has managed to crack the glass ceiling um, is actually uplifting others as they rise. Uh, my, 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 you know, anecdote is that it's not every single person who does that. Those that get the, the opportunity, you know, they tend to join the boys' club and, and, and fly solo. Uh, but I suppose my anecdote is not really scientific, and therefore there's not really much noise one can make about that. Uh, uh, once again, I'm delighted to be in a company on this glorious Tuesday uh, uh, evening where we're discussing issues of national importance. Um, you, know, um, you know, as you all know, last week a very interesting conversation with Tashmir Ismail, who is the CEO of, of Yes. Uh, and, and we have learned in that conversation that they've undertook to create job opportunities which runs into a million. But sadly, the, the statistics, you know, born out of that kind of initiatives are quite disturbing to say the least. But I suppose on a brighter side, to those people that have those kind of opportunities, um, their lives will never be, will never be the same. So from that point of view, we're quite, quite happy that, um, you know, something has been done. Uh, tonight we're going to continue on this trajectory of, uh, uh, you know, uh, economic issues um, uh, by interviewing yet another powerful woman, uh, very determined, uh, very loving, and I'm sure you're drilling to hear, you know, about her. Uh, but before you get into the gist of our conversation, allow me to pay homage uh, to my colleagues who kept you informed and hopefully entertained. Uh, Benji, thank you very much. Uh, you know, DJ Flo, thank you very much for standing in for Tabo. Um, he better be here, um, you know. Paul, thank you very much. Zlati, and of course, Vusi, who I met on my way out. Moving on strictly, if you have missed our conversation last week, uh, you know the drill. Quickly go to the website and dou- download our uh, podcast, um, you know, um, at www.hi.com.ca. And as a norm, I welcome your conversation or um, your input into our, into our conversation. Our SM line uh, is, is, is 3451195. Our telegram number is 0618951019. And I'm also pleased to take your emails. My email address is nimrod at hi.co.za. Um, like I said earlier on, tonight we are talking about, you know, um, how, what's the role of business in, in transformation? Uh, in particular, we, 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 you know, we're putting spotlight on, on business uh, leadership SA, uh, in terms of, of addressing the quagmire that we're facing. We, we know that, uh, South African employment is currently sitting at 29, 29%. Uh, that is when you're using a narrow definition of unemployment, but when you're using a broader definition of employment, we, we're not comfortable at all. We're sitting at about 38, 89%. Uh, and that translates to about 16.3 million of people who are currently employed and about 6.2 million of people who are unemployed. And majority of those people who are unemployed are youth. Uh, 
You know, we, we really have a serious problem. Um, that is why tonight we've invited one of the, uh, um, I would imagine, champion of transformation uh, from the Business Leadership SA, uh, and a very powerful woman in my, in, in my opinion, and I'm sure you'll concur. Her name is Busi Mavuso. And on that note, let me take this opportunity to welcome Busi. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. I look forward to the conversation. Thank you very much for honoring our conversation. Um, you know, I might just put this on record that, you know, uh, we, you know, high families as a family have extended its gratitude and support to your predecessor, Ndadebona mm-hmm. Mahale. Yes. And we are obliged to extend a similar kind of gratitude, a similar kind of support to you, for we know that you're not having an easy job. You know. But through us as a collective, when we support people in leadership, particularly women, uh, we will we, we'll grow from strength to strength. Yes. On that note, thank you very much. Thank um, you. Yeah. But see, one of the issues that, you know, uh, we talked about even before going through the studio um, it's the the, 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 the the actual role of business leadership essay in a context of unemployment that we've seen and, and obviously using NDA and NDP national development plan as a prism you know what is the position of business leadership essay from that point of view yeah so yeah, it's a very broad question. Look, I think if you were to look at the aim of the National Development Plan and why you implemented it as, in the first place as a nation, we were very clear that we wanted to reduce poverty and inequality by 2030, right? I don't know if we had put in uh, the actual uh, reduction percentages that we wanted to achieve, but I think irrespective of what the numbers that may have been put there are, you and I know that we are actually way off the mark when it comes to that one. Poverty in this country is sitting at more than 50%. Inequality, well, we've just overtaken Brazil as the most unequal society in the world. And we've just spoken about unemployment in terms of the broad definition, 39%. You have more people that are unemployed than those that are employed in all the provinces except the Gauteng and the Western Cape. Look, if we were any other country, we should have declared a state of emergency because this is what the situation calls for. I think if you were then supposed to look at this and say, how do we move the country forward? We know at the moment there is this huge dependency on us as the business community to say, what are the interventions that you're going to put in place to ensure that you change the economic trajectory around? And I think we ought to engage with this from a different lens as business because I think for the longest time, the business of business has just been business, but it cannot be because business can only prosper in a prosperous society because if the society is not prosperous, then it gives you problems. You know, there is social instability that is driven by domestic inequality and it therefore means the environment that you're operating within as a business is not conducive. So it is our problem. If we didn't think it's our problem as business before, we are wrong, right? But then we've realized that that is why our strategy, you know, and our positioning and our focus, our first strategic pillar, for instance, at the moment is inclusive socioeconomic growth and transformation as business leadership South Africa. I think we adopted that because we came to the realization that we cannot continue to be an island of prosperity in a sea of poverty. It just cannot be. You know, the biggest ticking time bomb that we have in this country is that of inequality. I watched with interest, by the way, I think about, must have been two months back, just after the elections, 
the Alexander community had crossed the M1 bridge into Sentin, right? And I was coming from a meeting. I think we were stopped there by the police. Obviously, it was a march and guarded by police in all of the cases. Sure, must have stopped for 15 minutes or whatever the case is. Now they're waking, making their time back. I watched with interest and I said to myself, you know, if we as the business community thought that this was just another service delivery protest, then we're wrong. Because if it was a service delivery protest, they could have chosen to take this protest anywhere else. But they chose to bring it to center in the heart of business. Now, if we hadn't set up and listened and paid attention as business, then I don't know what is going to make us to pay attention. So the... What I'm driving at is that the situation that we find ourselves as a country, you know, in terms of the achievement of the NTP goals, it's not the problem problem of government. It is the problem of business as well, because therefore we probably have the means better than any of our social partners to can actually, you know, break this quagmire, you know, and bring in the interventions that can move the country forward. So the biggest fundamental flaw, in my view, that we have in this country is the structure of our society. Tell me how we as business are supposed to survive in this environment. You've got 10% that are opulent. You've got 40% that are the middle class. And I think that definition of the middle class is going to have to be looked at, right? Because it is the middle class that is highly indebted and that is a paycheck away from poverty. They lose their job today, their whole life, you know, right? And then the bottom, you know, which is, you know, more than 50%, it, 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 it cannot be. Economies that thrive are those that have got a strong middle class, 80% middle class. What, therefore are we going to do as business to ensure that we change the structure of this society that is actually fundamentally unsustainable? Now, you probably understand the frustration of the 57 million South Africans when they are saying enough and no more. It is precisely because for the past 25 years, they are saying we've been taken for a ride. For the past 25 years, we have managed to create the two economies, one nation. It cannot be. You know, it just doesn't serve South Africa well. Because where are our markets supposed to come from as business? when you have 50% poverty levels and only 40%. Because it is the middle class that sustains economies, not the rich. So you want the middle class, therefore, you know, to be 80% and more, you know, because that is what a lot of people think that the business of business is to create jobs. They are wrong. The mm-hmm. business of business is to meet an unmet demand. Now, you meet an unmet demand because you've got a target market. But that target market has to have disposable income to can go into your business to buy. If you're sitting with 16 million people that are unemployed, who's supposed to come into our businesses to actually ensure... You know what I'm saying? So it is therefore manifestly within our interest, in my view, as business to ensure that the structure of the South African society changes. We therefore have to come up with interventions to say, how are we going to deal with youth unemployment? How are we going to deal with black SMMs? And I'm deliberately saying black. Not SMMEs, because I think, let's be honest, until and unless you have touched black in this country, you are not going to move the dial, because they are 80% of the population. So if there isn't going to be a focused intervention on black youth and black SMMEs, then we are actually wasting our time. So I think the long and short of it, you know, I'm answering your question very broadly, we believe in the NTP goals because we know that that is the only way as business we are going to be sustainable. But of course, we probably don't have much to show for it, but the plans are there to ensure that we move the dial forward when it comes to this.
Thank you very much for that, uh, you know, uh, thought-provoking response to to my my initial question. I just want to pick from what you've um, alluded to. Yes, um, there's a greater recognition that um, you know South Africa has now overtaken Brazil from from inequality point of view, and there's also recognition that uh, we cannot, you know, South Africa cannot prosper until or unless the 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 middle class is bloated sufficiently because the middle class do generate uh, the, the demand. But but we're not in that position. But but here's my question: um, If there's that greater recognition from business uh, association or business point of view, um, firstly, is there sufficient consensus amongst business community that you know it cannot be business as usual? You see, I think for me, this is where the government plays a role. This is where government has to come in and ensure that they put policies that are going to move the country forward. I think, let's be honest, the conditions for people to prosper are not God-given. They are created. You have to create a conducive environment for people to prosper. Now, if you are coming in as this ANC-led government trying to solve for this quagmire where the majority of the South African citizens have been left out of the economic mainstream for time immemorial, your policies, therefore, have to be very interventionist. They have to be very deliberate. They have to actually be saying, we are going to move this one sector of the population from X to Y because you know that that is how you're going to sustain the country and I think the affirmative action policy and the triple B policy were points towards that direction but I think let's be honest that the triple B policy has not been broad enough but also never mind it not being broad we know that we as businesses don't comply. The Commission of Employment Equity Report came out today, right? And I think the numbers, I've not looked at them properly but if I'm not mistaken I think we're sitting at 15% top management representation of black Africans in corporate South Africa. Now, the excuse that we used to give as business before was that we can't hire these people because we can't find them. But now we know we've got stats which are saying that there are more black people entering universities, there are more fast graduating, there are more fast being absorbed into corporate South Africa. So what, therefore, is our excuse now, 25 years into democracy, to be sitting with 15% representation, you know, in top management levels? But you see, we are going to continue to default as business because monitoring and evaluation from a government perspective is not there. So government needs to be driving this from a policy perspective. It cannot be left to the goodwill of people, right, or to the goodwill of business to say that they are going to effect transformation because, you know, they are going to find it in the goodness of their hearts to do so. Because if you're doing that, you're leaving it to chance. So I think this is... I'm not answering your question directly, but I'm saying that government plays a role when it comes to this one. You know, because... You, you, you have to channel the country and move it to the direction through policy that you want to achieve. And I'm not saying that let's have policies that are going to be interventionist forever, but I think if we were to enter into this and say for the next 10 years we are going to be very, no way did it, you know, in as far as women and gender representation is concerned, and they are the most transformed society today. So why can't we do that? And I think they were very clear that we're going to enter into this, you know, for a number of years, you know, and after 10 years, whatever the case is, we exit because we can't be talking about transformation forever. It's 25 years. At some point, this discussion is going to be tired. But we continue to talk about it because our people still find themselves, you know, living and confronted with abject poverty day in, day out. And it's just not absolutely you know, sustainable. Uh, absolutely. One of the issues that you, you, you brought to attention is the fact that 
um, the government's role is to provide an enabling environment yep. through which business can thrive. Yep. Um, what do you, what's your, what is the business take on the current uh, atmosphere surrounding the new administration? Yeah. Uh, when the president, when President Ramaphosa came into power, he came through the ticket of well, the new dawn, you know, uh, transformation, uh, transparency, and all those kinds of good things, which everybody uh, was well, was inspired in when he came through. But, but the question is. Um, to what extent is business, um, you know, still respecting all the ethos that 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 he that that brought his his administration into being? Um, is there sufficient uh, confidence in the current administration? I tell you why. Um, if there is not sufficient confidence uh, into or in his administration, which means you know, not, we're not going to really dent the needle. We're not going to really change the, the the current atmosphere so it's quite important for because everything builds it builds on trust hmm. if we don't trust hmm. you hmm. if i don't trust you hmm. you know if if i'm going to second guess you all the time um that that leave quite a serious dent uh, in as far as all the plans are written. so it, i would be quite interested to yeah. see yeah. what is this negative energy that we've picked up in the yeah. media yeah. to what extent um has it dampened um, the investor confidence or the general mood of business or is it just one of those things that will come and buy? Yeah. Look, I think the political turbulence that you see in the country today undermines confidence. And I think we need to start there. So a strong and united ANC in particular, I'm not going to say government, I'm going to call it, right? A strong and united ANC is actually what we need, you know, at the moment, because that is what is going to move the country forward. So what characterizes the South African economy at the moment, you know, is uh, the notion of uncertainty. And uncertainty is problematic because markets are premised on certainty and the lack thereof is problematic. So I think we're going to have to be very clear in as far as that is concerned. Do we still believe in Cyril Ramaphosa as a president? Of course we do. We think he's the best man for the job. We think he gets it. You know, we think he's probably our one chance as a country, you know, to move this country forward and achieve what it is that we want to achieve. But what we are frustrated about is the lethargy that you see in the implementation. But you probably maybe have to... Take that with a pinch of salt because I think what's happening at the moment with the PP's office is a deliberate attempt to precisely derail the agenda of Cyril Ramaphosa in trying to move this country forward. And it's actually frustrating that the advocate... Busisiwe Mkwebane allows herself to be drawn, you know, in these political shenanigans that are actually currently happening. Because let's be honest, what we are currently facing as a country is the fight back campaign. It is a fight back campaign because we have dared to introduce the structural reforms that are actually going to turn this country around. We have implemented the Zondo Commission, for instance, where all these thieves are going to have to come, you know, and account. And I think with that and with the appointment of the NDP we are now moving towards prosecution and of course they are going to have to fight for their survival and that is problematic so all of this that is currently happening at the moment and that we are confronted with is actually you know uh, to ensure that what we want to achieve doesn't happen and I think that's problematic so the um, the environment within which we find ourselves as business at the moment, I'm afraid, is not a conducive environment. I think 
when we took a decision as a country that we actually want to position ourselves as an attractive investment destination, I think we probably should have defined what that means. Because there is a certain posture that you need to assume if you're going to define yourself or if you're going to position yourself as an investment destination. So I find ourselves walking right and talking left, and that is problematic. And what I mean is you can't try and position yourself like that and then introduce the prescribed assets, for instance, as a policy. Because that is not going to augur well, you know, for business. You can't have an ESCOM that is currently a risk to our sovereign and think that you're going to attract investors, local and foreign, you know, into the country. Because I think the first answer that you, or the first conversation you left to have with the investors is that what environment are we coming into? Now, if you can't even provide energy security, which is the fifth factor of production, it is problematic. And I think we're going to have to deal with that. If you're still questioning whether you need to change the mandate of the Reserve Bank or not, it is a problem. If you haven't finalized Section 25, you know, of the Constitution in as far as the land expropriation without compensation is concerned, it is a problem. If you are dilly-dallying around releasing the spectrum, it is a problem. If you haven't finalized the visa issue, it is a problem. So those are all things that... I don't know why we are not moving on them. Because you know that if you're going to get foreign direct investment, for instance, it's going to come with experts, you know, and the experts are going to need the easing of the visa regulation for them to be able to. So, 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 you know, what I'm, so your policy, therefore, has to mimic, you know, that which you're trying to position as a country. But the talking, the walking left and talking, you know, right is actually, you know, a fundamental problem. And that is what the biggest frustration is for business. So we're treading very carefully as business because we're playing a wait and see game because we don't know what this environment augurs for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I quite, I, you know, I'm quite fascinated by one of the issues that you quite raised um, is, is, yes, we, you can see that, um, you know, Salama is the right man for the job. Business is fully behind him. However, you know, the, the, the elephant in the room is some of the utterances or the, the posture which has been taken by, you know, Advocate yeah. Busisu Mkubani. Yeah. Yeah. You, from a business point of view, as you've alluded to yeah. that, you know, she is derailing transformation. She's Absolutely. derailing the progress which, um, you know, Solon is trying to put forward uh, by playing political games. So ultimately, what is your end game from PP's point of view? As business, it's simple. She has to go. She has to be removed from that office. Not because business says so, but because the courts say so. Mm. She's incompetent. She doesn't understand her role. She's actually, I think that is even a more dangerous. She's actually allowing herself to be used by this fight back campaign, which has got the ace machashules and everyone in them. And it's actually very, for me, this is myopic. It is myopic because I thought it was clear on the 8th of May that we made a contract with the 57 million South Africans that we are actually going to move this economy forward. And the mandate given by South Africans was actually very clear. They gave the ANC government two mandates. They said, 
we are giving you a mandate to go and heal our fractured society and we're giving you a mandate to actually salvage our collapsing economy. So, therefore, the interventions and the direction that we're taking this country from a political perspective has to be precisely to try and implement that mandate. So, I don't understand, therefore, that don't we understand how close we are to the age of the precipice? And clearly, for me, it says that we don't. I think we have to agree and maybe submit as South Africans that we lack leadership at the helm, especially in government. This country is devoid of leadership. And I think if we don't realize soon enough that what we are actually doing is self-mutilation and self-destruction, then unfortunately soon we are going to be another failed African state. Remember, we've already been downgraded by SNP and by Fitch. We've got Moody's, who's actually been very lenient to this economy. But I think they are also getting to their wit's end. They are worried that the structural reforms that you have actually implemented as a country, you are not going to be able to achieve them precisely because of the political factionalism. They said we are worried that CR is not going to be given the space to actually do what he needs to do. And they were right. You know, if anything, our focus at the moment should be too. If we understand that on the 1st of November Moody's is announcing their decision and we're moving towards the medium term budget speech, you know, if anything, all our efforts ought to be on putting our best foot forward. So this, that we're actually, you know, obsessed with, you know, as a country about business, you know, having funded the CR17 campaign, it's another form of state capture. Don't get me wrong. If the business funding of the CR17 campaign is illegal, then let Cyril Ramaphosa and my CEOs along with him go to jail for it, right? So we are not defending that as business. So let's look into that. If there's anything amiss that has been done by business by funding that campaign, then let that go and be, you know, uh, discussed at the courts. But let's not deflect the attention from Busisu Mkobane. Busisu Mkobane has to leave that office. She's the biggest threat that, threat that we have as a country in terms of protecting our constitution. And you know, if she was in any other office, maybe we wouldn't be so concerned. But this is the highest office in the land. This is the office that is meant to protect our constitution. So you can't have, you know, someone of her, I don't know how to call it, but she's wrong for that office. Just let me put it that way. She's wrong for that office. She's not supposed to be there. And I was actually happy when I learned today that the DA has actually managed to get the Speaker of Parliament to actually get an inquiry going in terms of removing her from office. Because the longer she stays in that office, then unfortunately the risk that we face as a country, you know, and the uncertainty that continues to be created for the credit rating agencies, for the potential funders, for business, for civil society, for the international community, for the global community is just continuing to grow and it's not going to end well for South Africa. So the quicker we we, we remove her, I think the better actually for the country. Not I think I know. The quicker we remove her, the better it is for the country. Thank you very much for that input. We're going to take a break. Um, you know, after, you know, uh, obviously going through this very interesting conversation that we're having with uh, Busi Mavosa, who is the CEO of Business Leadership SA. We'll come back in a second. We'll come back uh, on the second installment of uh, the show. It is now 20 minutes to 7 o'clock. Uh, I implore you to give us your thoughts on our SMS line, which is 34519. Our telegram is uh, 061-895-1019. And 
and I'm joined in studio by the CEO of Business Leadership Essay, Ms. Busi Mavuso, and I've also been joined by Eric Stillerman, who is a regular voice to the show. For those who have just joined us, we're having a conversation with the CEO just to reflect on the, the role of business in addressing, you know, the, the serious quagmire that we are experiencing in the country. Before we went to the break, you know, she was, you know, obviously talking about um, the business view or the business role in relation to uh, the office of the public protector. And the business view is that, you know, you know, she has become an enemy of progress, if I may put it. Um, she needs to move because she is, uh, you know, disturbing the umbilical cord that 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 lays or that is about to bring uh, investment opportunity that we are seeking for. for. Perhaps maybe we'll let, you know, taking that conversation a bit further, uh, you know, Busi, is that, um, assuming she goes out, will that address the, the, the economic challenges that uh, uh, we see now? Or there's yet other deep-rooted structural issues that we need, as a, as a country, need to go through? You see, it is, it is, it is, it's, it's going to be a move in the right direction. Remember the reason why we were downgraded by SNP and Fitch in 2017, the biggest factor was the, institution weakening or the weakening of some of the key institutions in this country. So if you have someone like that in that office, you know she's a threat to this democracy. Because what she's doing now, to the point that I alluded to earlier on, she's allowing herself to be used, you know, by uh, the fight back campaign to can actually derail the course that we're on as a country. Because this is very simple, you know, keep these ones that are progressive, you know, somehow, you know, my in these uh, legal battles mm. so that therefore their attention can deflect from what is actually happening, you know, and for whatever reason, CR and the PG have actually been targeted. PG is very easy. PG has come in into the SOEs and is very clear in terms of the agenda of turning these things around, right? And we know that the state capture project had the SOEs, you know, as their playing ground. That is where the industrial scale looting happened. You know, ESCOM, for instance, is actually should be declared a crime scene because that is where millions of friends were actually looted and hollowed out out of the first cousin out of this country. So if you were to keep those two that are actually going to an F, this truth that is going to get you and I as the thieves who are masquerading as politicians in jail. Therefore, we have to somehow keep them busy so that they don't get to the bottom of the problem. So it's going to be the step in the right direction. Let's get someone there whose integrity is going to be unquestioned. Because if you are charged with protecting the constitution, then you can imagine you have to be beyond reproach. And unfortunately, Busisuem Kobane is not. Thank you very much for that insight. Let me bring you in, um, you know, uh, Eric. We've heard um, the COO making a very clear uh, uh, and unapologetic position of the movement insofar as getting rid of Abusisium uh, Koban. Your thoughts on that? And before we get to another, you know, critical question, um, given time. Uh, thanks so much. Good evening, Busi. Good evening, Nimrod. Good evening, uh, it's a pleasure to, to meet you and to hear that indeed we do have leadership in this country. As I told you in the break, somebody passionate and articulate like yourself representing the business community, the top businesses in the country. And uh, if I may, uh, just move on a little, um, Nimrod, if you don't mind, to, just to ask Busi what, what she thinks um, business can actually do. Uh, to turn this economy around and to advance the agenda of growth and inclusive growth, n- not only of the inclusive part, but of the growth uh, and, and investment. You know, bearing in mind the issues that you're talking about, 
and not being able to wait for a whole process until the public protector issues get sorted out, but in the interim to build the confidence of business and the investment community. There's an investment conference happening, I think, on the 4th and 5th of September. What do you think, as the business leadership, one can do, business can do, yeah. to to stimulate growth and investment in the economy? Absolutely. So I think first and foremost it's going to be, and I think we touched on this earlier on, the environment within which we operate as business has to be conducive, right? Because right. I think there is the basics that need to be guaranteed by the state if you are going to put in money in the country. Right. There has to be energy security. You know, right. there has to be functional municipalities sure. because it doesn't help that I pay, and I sat with this case, Eric, uh, with uh, Nestle last year, where they were paying about 1.3 million rents per month to the municipality, but the municipality, which is the most dysfunctional municipality in the country, Malutia Pofong in Harrismith, was not paying that over to ESCOM. So mm-hmm. what would happen is they were experiencing load shedding of about 12 to 18 hours a day. Mm-hmm. They've got a factory in Harrismith which employs 400 people, and if mm-hmm. you extrapolate those numbers in terms of the mouths that are benefiting from those employees, those are four 4,000 lives, mm-hmm. you know, that are impacted. Sure. Now, Nestle was close to a decision of saying that should we not be closing this factory down and maybe be mm. moving it somewhere else, mm. or better yet, out of the country. Mm. Now, you see, if you're dealing with that, remember we're an open economy, which means that we're not only competing with ourselves, but mm-hmm. competing with the rest of the world. Sure. So, when Nestle, as an international company, therefore, you know, has to put their numbers forward as Nestle South Africa, they have to actually look at cost of production and sure. unit cost of production to sure. say how competitive are we yeah. because at the end of the day you have to be making profits as a business sure. now if your unit costs as a South African entity are escalated yeah. because of this rigid labor regime mm. which is demanding 11% increases when our economic growth has not touched 2% since right. 2013 sure. you know and when you're confronted with 12 to 18 hours of disruptions in product you know what I'm saying? So the environment has to be conducive, Eric, for me to be able to put my money into the country so that I can get the returns that I want to get. So I think that's actually the key issue. Uh, uh, to, to my mind, sorry to challenge you here, Bussi. Um I, I think, you know, this so-called conducive environment yeah. and the big if, uh, we're going to wait a long time till yeah. it all comes right, yeah. okay? Yeah. Uh, the question, the, the point I'm making is, in order to get it right, yes. you know, the, how can business yeah. assist government yeah. To get it right, you yeah. know. Yeah. Now, I know, for example, they take ESCOM, for example. Your chairperson of BLSA, if I'm not mistaken, Jabu Mabuza, is also the chairperson and the acting CEO of ESCOM. So is he wrestling with that on his own? You know, what is, what is actually going on in, 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 in ESCOM? And what is the role that business leadership and the CEOs and all the expertise that business has can put in place? To improve ESCOM, to sort out the debt issues at ESCOM, to sort out all the SOEs, SAA, SABC, you know, what is it that you can, and including the municipalities. Surely business, instead of just playing the waiting game, Bussy, because we'll wait until we all go downhill, we'll be downgraded, there'll be massive exit of capital. You know what I'm talking about. I'm saying, what is the pro, what is Jabu, in fact, why, why does Jabu actually not be more articulate in terms of what is the plan of action? For ESCOM yeah. and what can, what, yeah. what's your thoughts Absolutely. on that? You know, I'm glad you went there, Eric, because you see, 
for me to be able to come in to intervene and assist you first are going to have to allow me the opportunity to do so. Yeah. Now, what you're sitting with at ESCOM, you're sitting with the board. You're sitting with the presidential task team that has been appointed by CR. You're sitting with the technical review team that has been appointed by PG. You're sitting with the CRO that apparently reports to the finance minister. You're sitting with the interministerial committee that reports to did to the deputy president of the mm, country. Mm. Now, the difficult conversation that we have <coughs> had to had with the funders, you would remember also at the beginning of the year, I think it was around March, we actually were almost put in a very critical situation as a country where the China Development Bank refused to release the $7 billion that they were supposed to release to ESCOM, okay. and we actually had to get the banks, you know, to give us $3.5 so that we can meet our obligations yeah. as ESCOM, because if we hadn't, then you can imagine what that was actually actually going to do, you know, from bringing uh, the country to a standstill. Right. Sure. So I think you're going to have to allow business to actually come in and assist if you actually want the assistance. And I think this is the point, you know, where I'm saying that you can't be walking left and talking right. We still continue to raise our hands as business leadership South Africa to say that we would like to ensure that this sixth administration, this ANC-led government, this CR-led state is a capable state because we have experienced just how painful it is to deal with a government that is dysfunctional. So I'm just saying business needs to be allowed the space, you know, whether financial resources, human resources, you know, whatever resources to make this country a capable state allow us the opportunity to do so. But, but here's something that, that, that I mean, uh, that, that I, you reflected on earlier, uh, yep. which, which I think, um, uh, you know, summarized the, the thrust of the challenges as it were. You've said, um, you know, we, you know, we, there's, there's leadership, um, uh, this country is devoid of leadership. Yep. Uh, we don't have sufficient leadership because yep. I think you hit it on the nail there. Because, you know, all these, um, you know, structures that are, that are in place, um, you know, don't necessarily provide direction because they're always competing. There's terms, each one of them, I bet you they've got terms of reference for this and that and that and that and that. At what point, um, you know, the, the, these structures provide, um, you know, business leadership and an opportunity to be more decisive? And again, my sense is that we, we you know, the, the frame of reference in the, in, in the country, it is more of a consultation, which is paralyzing decision making. When we know what is a problem, yeah. you, you know, what we yeah. know the problem, yeah. what more do we need? Yeah. We just need to be decisive, you know, um, as business, as government. So what is missing from, from, from business point of view, or even from government point of view to say, yes, we are, this is how you want to address the problem. Um, and this is, here's a plan of action because we're not devoid of plans. We've got so many plans. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it is the execution that is yep. missing. Yep. You know, and, and that, that boils down on leadership that we don't yep. have. Yep. So there's no amount of, of planning yep. that we can do. We can plan until cows come home. Yep. It is execution which borders on leadership and which borders on onboarding and, and credibility of those yep. leadership. Yep. Where are we in that, uh, on that point? So you see, I think you hit the nail on the head. It is execution, but more importantly, it is lack of decisiveness. So you see, we're going to have to understand that if you are in leadership, you are not going to please everyone. And if you are pleasing everyone, then unfortunately you are not making enough progress. You know, when it comes to the SOEs, we are very clear as business. Not all of these 700-odd SOEs are strategic. Can we choose where we want to play in as a country? Because we can't play everywhere. Clearly, we have shown that we are dismal, you know, in the running of entities, you know, because the biggest probably thing that this ANC-led government is going to look 
back on as probably its greatest achievement, you know, and this is me being sarcastic, is the killing of ESCOM and SAA and SAPC and Denel and whatever the case is, because that is what is happening. The SA, there is no point in trying to salvage that which is un salvageable. You know, and this is where the lack of decisiveness and the fear of taking the tough decisions therefore come in. You know, when we gave the 20, when we made the 23 billion commitment for the next 10 years to ESCOM, uh, I think it was at the SONA address, credit rating agencies, and this was a consensus, consensus view, quickly came in and said that we are worried that this is going to erode your fiscal strength. Because now we're sitting with a debt-to-GDP ratio that is actually nearing 60%. Zambia's debt-to-GDP ratio is sitting at 66%, and the IMF is getting ready to intervene. So at this rate, we are going to lose our economic sovereign. So I think we're going to have to understand that whether or not we want to make these tough decisions, if we don't make it ourselves, then unfortunately someone is going to come in and make it for us. So I think, but also you know, the reason why you have a shareholder and a board and an executive is precisely because all of them play a different role. I think there is something to be said around maybe how the shareholder is actually managing this. I think look at why Pagamani at ESCOM, Jahana at SAA and now Mark Barnes at the South African Post Office, why they gave the reasons, or the reasons that they advanced in terms of stepping down. They needed to be allowed the space to can execute the turnaround strategies that they have to actually implement. The reason why you have corporate governance or governance, you know, as a, 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 a um, the reason why you have governance is so that you can separate control and ownership. You know, ownership is with the shareholder, control is with the share, ownership is with the shareholder and control is with, with the, is with the management and the board, exactly. Mm. So I think we seem to be actually, and with all the structures at ESCOM, you know, we actually seem to be, you know, the, the, you, you, you don't know where which one stand, starts and which one ends. Who's responsible for what? Who do you hold finally accountable and so forth? Now, how does an executive operate in that environment. It is causing confusion and if and if nothing else, it is causing more panic. It is creating an environment of more uncertainty. But unfortunately to the rest of the world, they are looking and they are saying, clearly these people don't have a plan and they don't know what they are doing. Because if they understood, you know, the role that each has to play, then they were actually going to be more clearer in terms of what, who is responsible for what. Absolutely. I see um, Eric is I can't resist this because, uh, you know, let's just take it and to give us all a way forward, I'm making a suggestion to you here. As I said to you, your chairperson, Jabu Mabuza, is the chairperson of the ESCOM board. There's a business-friendly board of ESCOM. I'm one of them. Great. Okay. Um, there's a paper being produced to be presented to Parliament in two weeks' time on how ESCOM is going to be salvaged. Same time, you represent top CEOs in this country, and we've yep. got some fantastic business leaders, high-performing, globally competitive com businesses in this country that you personally represent, and Jabu. We've got a Minister of Finance, Tito Mbaweni, and a President who've got the same agenda to come out with a turnaround strategy and a debt management structure yep. strategy yep. for ESCOM. Yep. So I'm saying to you, I I'm suggesting that a constructive role that BLSA, the business community, can play is to put shoulders to the wheel and help that board and help 
help uh, uh, Jabu and, and, and ESCOM to get its plan together. Just uh, my own initiative, I wrote an email to Jabu earlier this week, and I said, Jabu, I'd like to give input to your turnaround plan, and I was kind of pushed aside, and I forced myself in. Just as we I stepped in the studio, I got an email from ESCOM to say, tell us if you're available for an interaction on Thursday. So I'm saying I'd like to follow up this meeting with a discussion with you as to how not only there, but in terms of municipalities, in terms of balancing the budget for the medium-term budget that's going to come up in October, that instead of pushing the ball aside and kicking for touch, we actually play a proactive role as business in Eric, getting it right. Absolute, I absolutely agree with you. We have to be given the space, and yes, we are willing as business Not to given the space. We see no, taking the space, making that, you see, that's what I'm being proactive. So we have not, to take the space. Exactly. That's what I'm pushing to you. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. We're <laughs> going to follow up. You're going to have to tell me how to do exactly, that. Right? Okay. I would love to push. Uh, you can see okay. I'm a pusher, so uh, I'm pushed I'm with you. We'll push together. Absolutely. Like, yeah. absolutely. No, but, you know, I'm, Fair you know, but you see, look, um, there has to be the the the, the willing the the partner in this in this instant government has to be willing to actually give business space, because I hear where where they come from, you know. But unfortunately, without strategic partnership, because we need more alliances, um, you know, if business were to have alliance with with labour, the chances of government will listen a lot lot lot, lot quicker. You know, so so those are some of the power dynamics, which 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 business find themselves in a predicament because if business um, uh, was not a standing out like a sore thumb, so to speak, you know that the chances of government listening a lot quicker uh, uh, would be different. That's my take. I'm not sure I could be completely wrong. I'm just repeating to you that the chairperson of ESCOM is the same chairperson of Business BLSS. Leadership South Africa. Yeah. If you can't pick up the phone to your chairperson and say, I'm offering you the expertise of business to help sort out, that's a brilliant opportunity. I was only one person and I managed to get through. I want to follow up with you, Bussy. We need to do this and problem by problem, that's the role that I think a concrete role that we can actually take to move things, turn things around. There are people panicking, as you know. We can't have that. We need to build confidence and solutions. I think, Nimrod, what I'm hearing from Eric is if you are trying, you are not trying hard enough. Try harder. You know, yeah, claim exactly, this space. You know, exactly. don't request to be given the take, you know, Absolutely. the space and actually come on. On that note, uh, Benjamin, Benjamin's SMS is pretty much speaks to what you've just said now, says Nimrod. Um, Madame Mabuse is hitting on the nail. Um, in the, um, she knows exactly what she's talking about. Absolutely correct on the point uh, that we need to address, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think the PP, fiery, uh, keep up, keep, keep up the good job from, from Benjamin. Um, you know, so the, clearly, um, you. you know, we, we're hitting on the nail. Clearly, you know, listeners out there are cognizant of what, um, the, the business is actually doing. But perhaps maybe taking, um, you know, Eric's, uh, assessment, a session, if I may put it that way. Um, you know, we need to move with speed. Yes. We need to address, you know, these issues in a much more, uh, uh, pushy way, if so, so to speak. Because yep. the, the reality is that we no longer have Absolutely. the luxury of time. Absolutely. By the time we wake up, it will be done. Maybe in the next 30 seconds as we're wrapping up, what's your final shot? Um, for, for, for this conversation and, and, and business opportunity or business leaders who are listening to the show and saying, how do we support, you know, the movement taking the, the process forward? 
Yeah. Look, business remains very committed to ensuring that we see South Africa move forward. I think we have the disproportionate resources, we have the disproportionate voice, we have the disproportionate power, and I think we've come to the realization that unless and until business is actively involved and claiming some of the spaces to Eric's point in terms of giving direction and leading some of the discussions and setting the tone, then we're not going to achieve what we want to achieve as a country. Maybe the time has come to Eric's challenge that we actually force ourselves into these spaces because when this thing collapses, it's going to, and when I say thing, I mean the economy. When the economy collapses, it's going to collapse for all of us and we're going to be the biggest losers as, mm. as, as, as business. Sure. So maybe we shouldn't actually be staying on the periphery and be waiting to be invited because this too is our gig. So we actually need to be more forceful in terms of how we come on board and assist move the country forward. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Eric, 30 seconds as we're Go wrapping for up. It. <laughs> Absolutely. With Absolutely. you there all the way, Bussy. Yeah. Thank you. Love it. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, unfortunately, we are run out of time. How I wish we could have more time. And I'm sure Bussy would love to come through in a future conversation because uh, this is how we really shape the, the, the narrative of business involvement in, 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 in economy, not only from the peripheral point of view, but at the core, because it is business, core business, uh, to, to create an environment that is not only conducive, but that thrives. And that note, um, it's going to have to be, that's it. Um, thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you everyone for listening. Adios. Great. Thank, thank you. you.